Deplorable Nation, a podcast where your voices can be heard, where things that affect you and your family are important, because it's important to all of us. Every one of us matters, and everybody has a voice. We're going to be bringing you news, current events, and throw in a lot of humor, and then you decide for yourself. Hello and welcome, Patriots, back to another episode of Deplorable Nation, episode 57, Medical Apartheid. And today I have a very special guest. His name is Brian Festa. He's from WeThePatriotsUSA.org, co-founder and vice president. Hello, my dear, and how are you today? Hi, Janet. I'm great, thanks. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to have you on today. Tell me a little bit about what your organization is and what you do. So my organization, our organization, it's uh, an organization I co-founded with my amazing uh, business partner, Dawn, who uh, I'll say a bit about her first. She's a uh, a Navy vet, uh, a former pharmaceutical uh, executive, actually, who um, is a, an amazing freedom fighter and does so much work and has done so much work for almost two decades now uh, defending uh, medical freedom, individual rights, uh, choice with regard to, especially with regard to vaccines. Uh, so I just want to give a shout out to her before I talk about myself. Um, and I am a civil rights attorney. Um, I have been in this fight for not as long, not nearly as long as, as Dawn, but um, I've been in this fight for uh, several years now. And I got involved because I have a son who was very severely vaccine injured, injured by the flu shot mm-hmm. and, and uh, has multiple disabilities uh, because of it. And uh, even a mainstream immunologist has acknowledged that that was most likely the cause because this is a documented ad- adverse re- reaction. Right. Uh, so we have mitochondrial disorder, severe autoimmune disorders, uh, autoimmune encephalopathy, cephalopathy, uh, and as well as a, uh, diagnosis of autism and, and PANS, uh, very, very serious problems, gastrointestinal problems, uh, neuro, neuro, all these neurological problems that I've mentioned. It's, uh, it's all because of, uh, the shot, or at least the shot was the trigger. I believe there are a lot of environmental toxins that can cause those things, not only vaccines, right. but, um, you know, vaccines very often are the trigger or the trigger point. Um, and that's how I got involved researching this and doing all this. But our organization that we founded on July 4th of 2020, not uh, any coincidence there, uh, was founded out of necessity because we saw what was going on in this country and we saw the direction this country was headed. And we realized that if we didn't do something, if we didn't stand up for our rights, we wouldn't have any rights left to, to take back. We wouldn't have any country left to take back. And so we came to, we realized we were at a tipping point in this country. So what we do is we're a nonprofit. We fight for all liberties, all individual liberties and rights, not only medical freedom. That's what I'm here to talk to you about today because it is the most common thing we're working on these days. Right. Because obviously 
<laughs> that's at the forefront right now. <laughs> it's every time you turn on the TV or, or open up your internet browser, all you see is, you know, COVID vaccine, COVID, COVID vaccine, mask. Um, everything is about that right now. But right. We, do a lot, we do a lot more. We do stuff with uh, First Amendment rights, you know, free speech, freedom of religion, uh, Second Amendment rights. Uh, we have a pending case on Second Amendment rights as well right now. We do a lot of other stuff besides medical freedom. But um, right now, that is sort of the bread and butter of our organization because that's, you know, what people need the help most, most urgently for. Um, when, when you have uh, government leaders like this, I don't even want to use the term president, uh, but Biden coming out, <laughs> to, coming out today at a press conference and saying that we need to step it up with regard to mandates and saying some right. very, I don't know if you saw, but he said some very, very, very scary things today. Um, and, and it just, it's making me sort of have a renewed sense of urgency. Not that I ever lost it, but this is what he said with regard to states, private companies, schools mandating COVID shots. He said, quote, I would like to see them continue to move in that direction. It's still a question whether the federal government can mandate the whole country. Right. Okay. So he's exploring that though. He's, he says it in this calm, you know, tr tr trying to be like a calm, all, almost grandfatherly, uh, you know, uh, kind of tone that, well, you know, it's something we're looking into, whether we can mandate everyone. Like, it's just like, like he's like, that's something that's normal. Like, that's something that's no big deal. They're looking into the prospect of mandating it for the whole country, not just employees, right. not just travelers, not just students at universities and colleges. Now he's talking about the whole country, every man, woman and child. So that's uh, except, of course, for the people crossing the southern border. They don't have to right. be tested or, or shot up or anything. They can just come in however they like and they don't have to. You know, we can we're not worried. They, they somehow don't transmit anything. Um, you know, it's, it's just that's what's happening right now. We're very, very, very alarmed at what's happening. Hey, we are not a partisan organization. I just want to be very clear about that. This isn't a Democrat or Republic thing. This is a human rights thing. OK, this is this right. is, this is uh, our very lives. At stake. This is beyond politics. I know everybody wants to talk politics, but this is beyond politics. This is this is life or death. And it is because I saw that Monday the DOJ gave the green light to mandatory vaccination. And in their statement, they also said that they will not prosecute any cases that have to do with civil rights violations or due process rights violations due to vaccine mandates by employers. So my, my question is, um, and I know this and people know, um, I'm a retired nurse. Plus I also taught medical school and my issue is number one, uh, force vaccination, but number two, it's under an emergency youth use authorization. Um, which is a totally different animal. You cannot mandate a vaccination that's under an EU um, or an, excuse me, emergency use authorization, EA, EUA. But a lot of people want to know, like, what kind of rights do they have? Because we've heard a lot of instances where they're not only uh, denying religious exemptions, but medical exemptions, 
Um, they're telling, you know, people that are already highly immunocompromised that they don't have a choice. They have to get it mm-hmm. like transplant patients, cancer patients, whatever. And then, of course, you have a whole new manifestation of symptoms, which they've been, you know, under the FDA's own website. They're taking away PCR tests. They're taking away uh, ventilators, masks. Um, all kinds of things. They're stopping the, you know, testing because the, you know, like the PCR test can't differentiate between the flu and COVID. We've seen inflation of numbers. Um, we've seen false computer modules. And now I'm seeing in the VAR system where they're messing with the data. And now you can't even access certain data in there relating to deaths or injuries. Right. So yeah, what kind yeah. of rights do people actually have? Well, let me just you know start with the DOJ memo because you brought that up first. Um, that memo is just that. It's a memo. It's an opinion piece. It is not in any way, shape, or form uh, legally binding. Okay. Right. It may be binding on the agency and the agency employees in, in the directives and guidance they're giving people. But it is not binding in any legal sense that all employers in the country must follow what they're saying. Um, Employers don't have to mandate. In fact, the opinion doesn't say they have to mandate. It simply says they can mandate it. Mm -hmm. Um, What it also says is it also mentions that there there, there are, though, uh, religious or medical reasons that people may need to be accommodated for. So legally, I think the memo is actually correct. And I'll tell you why. Uh, people don't want to hear this, but I'm not in the business of telling people what they want to hear. I'm in right. the business of telling people the truth. Okay, the That's state why of, I want to ask you. Yeah, the the state of the law as it is, not how we wish it would be, right? Um, so the law as it is currently written, in my opinion, um, again, I'm not giving any, you know, I just want to make clear I'm not giving any official legal advice tonight. I'm just speaking in my own personal opinion, not to anyone's particular situation. But in my opinion, the law does allow employers to mandate this shot, even though it's EUA, it's not FDA approved. Right. Um, if you look at Title One, Title Twenty One, excuse me, Title Twenty One has been discussed a lot at, among people saying, "Well, it's illegal for them to for anyone to mandate this because it says that you have to give informed consent and you have to give people the right to opt out." That's what it says. Right. Doesn't actually say that. It says the Secretary of Health and Human Services. As a condition for getting the EUA approval, has to place that contingency, that condition on the shot that those delivering it must give people the right to opt out. Those who are delivering the shot, which would be usually not an employer, although an employer may host a clinic, it's usually a nurse or maybe a pharmacist, someone someone who is delivering the shot is supposed to give that informed consent. Now, do they usually do that? No. But does that mean that therefore the employer can't mandate it? No, no, no. That was just the condition to get it EUA approved. This all so basically all that means is that the secretary has to put that in writing that that's the condition. As soon as he or she does that, in this case he, Mister Azar, put it in writing that that's a condition, then boom, it can get approval. 
That's all it requires. It requires the secretary to just make that a condition. It doesn't require the secretary to then follow up and make sure everybody's meeting the condition. And if they're not, then to pull the EUA and nobody can mandate it. That's not what it says. It doesn't say anything like that in the statute. So these people, uh, I'm sorry, are either misinterpreting it or giving false hope to people that say, uh, you can fight the mandate, you're going to win. There's The law says you can't mandate. The law does, says no such thing. What the law does say is that there's religious liberty, that there's religious uh, there's protection for religious belief in, for instance, Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which pertains to employment. Mm-hmm. There's protection uh, in in most states' laws as well for right. uh, for religious freedom, and there's protection in the Constitution with regard to government entities, government employers, uh, and government schools. There is religious liberty protection in the First Amendment. There's also mm-hmm. protection in the Americans with Disabilities Act and in most states' law for persons with disabilities to request right. an exemption. Okay? Right. So there's ways to opt out is what the law says. The law doesn't say you can't mandate. It just says you you can mandate, but there need to be ways to opt out in appropriate circumstances. That's right. the correct reading of the law. That's right. why my organization, our organization, has focused specifically on fighting people who have been denied exemptions, because fighting employ fighting for people who have been denied exemptions, because those are the people that number one we have the most chance of of winning a case for. Okay, um, we fight for them by advocating for them and by by connecting them with an attorney is what our organization does. So we are not a law firm; we're a nonprofit charitable organization. We are as part of our mission. One of our one of the things we do is we connect people with an attorney in appropriate circumstances, and then we try to fund or partially fund, as funds allow, make a donation toward their legal expenses. So you know, in some cases that may be a few thousand. In some cases we may we may be able to fully fund it. Um, in some cases, unfortunately, we can't really give much, if anything, um, toward it. And I'll talk about that in a moment about the importance of funding all of this, but. Um, that's what our mission is, is to help people in these situations who have been denied these exemptions. Um, to A lot of people call us and they just want to fight in general the mandate. Well, I don't think they should be allowed to mandate a period. Let's do a class action lawsuit. No. My answer is no. We're not mm-hmm. going to win that. We're not, right. even gonna, we're, we're not even probably going to be able to get a class certified. But even if we were, we're not going to win that lawsuit. Uh, that's going to be, in my opinion, uh, if not frivolous litigation, it's going to be foolish litigation. And I would never... Um, allow, you know, my attorneys to get involved in that, our attorneys to take on cases like that. When I say our attorneys, the outside counsel that we retain, uh, we don't have, we don't have in-house, again, we're not a firm, we don't have in-house attorneys, but, um, you know, I would never allow them to do that because that would be a waste of time, efforts, a waste of resources, funds, um, fighting something that I know is almost certainly going to be thrown out very quickly um, in court. And uh, again, that makes us look kind of foolish too, bringing all these lawsuits that keep getting thrown out. Um, we want to be strategic. We want to file lawsuits that can actually win. Um, and we can actually uh, win victories and help people, which is what we're in the business of doing. So um, we have to be very careful about this. I know everybody's emotions are high right now, and they just want us to run in and file a million lawsuits. But first of all, it's just not possible because of a lack of resources. And second of all, um, it wouldn't be smart because it would it could actually end up making things worse. Uh, if right. you, get, you get some bad decisions against you, it could make things right. make these mandates and lockdowns even stricter. 
Now, I have a question for you um, because, and I called it medical apartheid because to me it is because you now have the segregation of the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. And there's that whole narrative being spun right now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, unvaccinated people are diseased and, and they shouldn't be able to shop or buy groceries or have health care or you know, go anywhere or do anything, et cetera, et cetera. Now, as far as discriminatory practices like that, um, as far as employers go or, you know, as far as goods or services, is there something that people can do in that avenue or we just, there's nothing that can be done? Um, as far as the segregation and discrimination, because mm-hmm. not everybody can get a vaccination. That's true. Absolutely. So in the workplace, I know you said goods and services. So you're talking about businesses, but you're talking about yes. specifically in the work. But like but for- grocery stores or, you know, whatever, like telling you, you can't like we're going to starve everybody that's unvaccinated. So you well, can't go to a restaurant. You can't buy groceries. Blah, 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 if you don't get one. Again, if your reason for not being that, well, for not being shot with this injection, I'll just say that way. I don't like to use the the V word with with regard to this thing. But if your reason for not getting it is religious or medical based on a disability, qualifying disability, then you have the right to request an accommodation from that business. And they have to provide you with an accommodation if it's reasonable and would not impose an undue hardship on the business. for groceries, there's a very easy way. You could just do curbside pickup like they were doing during COVID and put it in your trunk. Now, is that mm-hmm. the same equal access? You can argue no, but my opinion, most courts would say that's reasonable. Uh, you And even the EEOC guidance, again, which is just guidance, not legally binding, but their opinion uh, was that businesses, employers can do this, uh, do not have to... Um, you know, let everybody into the store, do not have to let everybody into the restaurant or anything like that. They can, uh, you know, allow them to get takeout or allow them to get curbside as an accommodation and that would hold up. Um, I, th- I think that's probably right. I think most courts would rule that that's okay. Um, that is, does seem discriminatory, but again, it's giving them an accommodation. It's not just shutting them out and saying, you starve, you don't get anything. Um, so again, that's sort of the middle ground compromise that the law has reached in this is to say, okay, where, where there's a significant public health threat, we have to balance the threat to public health against the individual rights, the rights of the individual to have equal access to goods and services, including food and health care and everything else. Now, I know we don't have to get into a debate about whether there's a threat because, you know, I'm on the same side as you on that. Mm-hmm. I'm quite sure um, that that the numbers have been lying. The numbers that have been released have been fudged. Right. Have They've lied to us that the threat is not what they're saying it is. Uh, that most healthy people recover from this. Most healthy people, most young people, even many old people uh, who don't have any comorbidities, serious comorbidities, uh, do not get seriously ill. And so um, in my personal opinion, not as a doctor, again, not giving medical advice either tonight, um, but in my personal opinion, I don't think that it's necessary and I don't think it's uh, the threat is what they're saying it is. And I don't think that the shot is going to help people more than it's going to hurt people. Um, that's my, again, my personal belief, but, but what I'm saying is, uh, yes, in answer to your question, businesses can do that. Even within the workplace they are saying, I'm getting calls from people that are saying, well, they're segregating me. They're putting me in a private right. office. They're putting me in right. a separate area. They're making me wear a badge, uh, you know, a little sticker that says I'm unvaccinated. Isn't this 
you know, isn't that discrimination? Um, and yeah, yes. because a lot of employers are actually harassing employees that are not vaccinated. Right. Um, and, 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 and that's a whole nother issue because it becomes like a violent workplace. Oh yeah. I, I talked to a, a, a gentleman earlier uh, today who actually said he was out in Oklahoma. He's worked there 21 years. His, his uh, supervisor came up to him, blocked him in the doorway as he's going to leave and says, are you vaccinated? And the reason he asked him is he they had enacted a new policy that if you're not vaccinated, if you are vaccinated, you can take off your mask. They didn't require anybody to show proof of it, though. Right. So he had been wearing kind of a, I guess, a bandana gator thing. He just pulled it down. He stopped wearing it. So after a couple of days, his supervisor stops him. Are you vaccinated? But I noticed you were wearing something before. And he said, well, that's my personal health. I noticed you were wearing something. You know, you know, he, he, I, I want to know you vaccinate. So uh, people are getting harassed like that every day. But here's, right. the, here's the kicker. If you, uh, there, there's a couple of things in there. First of all, people say, well, they don't have a right to ask me health information. That's HIPAA. Well, it's not a HIPAA violation. It's a HIPAA violation for a covered entity under HIPAA, such as a hospital, doctor's office, health insurance plan, health insurance companies, for them to disclose your confidential medical information, for them to share it to unauthorized third, third parties without your permission. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and for them to, and they have an obligation to maintain the confidentiality of those records in a, in, a, in a confidential manner, to maintain those records in a secure, confidential manner. That's what HIPAA says. HIPAA does not say people can't ask you your medical information. They can ask. You don't have to tell them. Right. But, but they can ask all day long, and that's not a HIPAA violation. Okay? And anyway, most employers wouldn't, if they're not healthcare facilities or health insurance companies, they wouldn't even be covered under HIPAA. HIPAA only covers healthcare entities and health insurance entities. Right. So, so it wouldn't even apply to say like a factory worker or something anyway. HIPAA doesn't apply. All right. Um, so there's no right to medical privacy in the workplace that people think there is, there isn't. Um, right. Now they can ask the questions you don't have to answer, but there might be consequences. Okay. And there, the second thing is, can they segregate? Can they treat you differently because of vaccination status? Technically, yes, because there's no protected class listed in Title VII or any federal sta- federal or state statute that I've ever read maybe there is one that I've never seen that specifically carves out a protected class of vaccination status. There's race, there's religion, there's color, there's national origin, there's sex, there's all of those things, but I've never seen anything written. There's even gender identity now, but I've never seen any discrimination statute that says you shall not discriminate on the basis of, and then lists vaccination status as a protected class. I've never seen that. So right. because that's not in the law, technically they can do it and get away with it. Should that be changed? Should we be lobbying? Should people lobby? I mean, if they want to, we don't do lobbying here at my organization because we're a nonprofit. We're not a registered lobbyist. But if people desire to do that, if that's what they want, they could advocate for that. Good luck. Congress is never going to pass it because even if they were a super majority of Republicans, most of the Republicans right now are advocating for this shot. Mitch McConnell is saying everybody should be rolling up their sleeves. So I don't see even if you had majority Republicans, which we don't right now, but even if we had a strong, strong majority Republicans, I still think you wouldn't get that passed. Okay. Right. Um, So good luck. That's not going to happen. But what we do have is protection for against discrimination on the basis, again, of religion and disability. Now, you can say, well, what if the reason I didn't get the shot was because of religion or disability? Okay. If the person is discriminated against you for that reason, like, again, saying, well, you can't work here because of your religious beliefs, um, you could 
make an argument, I suppose, that if they're harassing you because you're not vaccinated and the reason you're not vaccinated is because of a religious belief, that that's religious discrimination. It's not as clear cut as in cases when there's an, because there also has to be an adverse employment action when it comes to employment discrimination. So it's not as simple as, well, he asked me my vaccination status. That's not, right. a, that's not a discrimination lawsuit. If there's a suspension, a demotion, a loss of benefits, loss of pay, termination, obviously, constant harassment on a daily basis, right. Right. those kinds of things can form the basis of discrimination lawsuit. But just one time or two times, someone treats you different. That's not going to necessarily be a basis. Now, again, if it's permanently you're segregated, permanently you don't get the same benefits as other people, permanently you're you're demoted or something. Okay, then we have something we can talk about and we could maybe make an argument there. And I think we could um, or a, an attorney could. But in many of these instances that I'm hearing, it's not illegal. Same with the PCR testing in the mass, which you are probably going to get to at some point. Mm-hmm. That's not, <laughs> I'm reading your mind. I, I just met you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so that's the same thing, Janet, that's going to be this, that's going to be the same thing because again, there's no law that says they can't, there's no law that says they cannot, uh, subject you to a medical evaluation or medical testing as a, as a condition of your employment. In fact, there's laws that say you can, you can drug test employees before you hire, you can make them take, you can take urine samples, blood samples. You're allowed to do that as a condition of employment. How is this any different? They'll say, well, these tests are contaminated and they're hurting people. <laughs> Good luck again getting a court to believe that. Um, even if you say you have evidence, it's not. I was going to say, even if it's on the FDA's own website. But <clears throat> well, well yeah, we but as far as, as far as the nanoparticles and all this other stuff, you're not going to get them. In general, if it's not accepted by mainstream science, and this is a problem I have too because I don't agree with it. But in general, from what I've seen, if it's not accepted by the, the public, so-called, so-called public health authorities, right. if, if Anthony Fauci is not saying it, if, um, you know, the director of the CDC isn't right. saying it, um, if the local public health authorities, the state Department of Public Health isn't saying it, then it's not true. So there's a problem in this country with trusting the authority of the person over the authority of the evidence. And I've talked about this a lot. Right. I have a blog post about it. Speaking of which, I have a new one that came out tonight. But if you want to see any of my blog posts, they're actually hosted on the organization's website of my uh, R. Don and I have another organization, Connecticut Freedom Alliance, which is a local organization. That was our first uh, baby, so to speak, was the Connecticut Freedom Alliance. So if you go to ctfreedomalliance.org, you can find a blog, you click on blog, latest one I wrote tonight is talking about, it's called lies and liability. And it's talking about why employers are mandating this and what the liability risks are for mandating it versus not mandating it. So uh, very interesting. I think if you want to take a look, it's a very brief one that I wrote uh, just tonight. As a matter of fact, just about an hour before I got on with you, um, I wrote it because it was been on my mind for a while and I just wanted to get it out there. So it's very short, but if you'd like to read it, Go ahead and check that out, ctfreedomalliance.org. Where we really need help, though, if the public really wants to stop these mandates and take action and try to rise up to legally fight this in a legal way, um, we need to uh, mobilize on the We the Patriots uh, website, on the We the Patriots organization. So that's wethepatriotsusa.org. Again, we the Patriots plural, wethepatriotsusa.org. And if you go to that website, you'll see right away everything we've been doing, uh, some exciting, exciting cases that I can tell you about in a minute if you'd like to know some of the specific cases we've taken on. But we have um, a Commit to 10 campaign going on right now. 
And that is we're asking everybody who support, who wants to support us, anybody who sees the work we're doing, likes what we're doing, and wants to be a part of this, to commit to just $10 a month. Uh, we think that's, that's a reasonable ask um, for what we're doing, the kind of work we're doing. Uh, we're trying to file dozens and dozens and dozens of lawsuits all across this country. When you know that even one lawsuit could potentially be a six-figure debt, you can do the math there and and figure out how much we really need to get this accomplished and really create a litigation mach machine to stop this train of, of tyranny. So we're asking right. people to commit $10 a month and then tell 10, 10 of your friends or family members, 10 people that you think would be interested in supporting as well. So it's twofold. It's committing to $10 a month and then committing to tell 10 people share the donation link with them and getting them to donate as well. And that's how we'll get this done. We need a network. We need everybody working together for this. You'll see it right on our homepage, the Commit to 10 campaign. The reason why the monthly donations, I know a lot of people don't like that. They say, well, you know, I don't want to commit. I don't want to commit to have an automatic withdrawal every month. I'll just give, you know, one time. I'll give you more than 10. I'll give you $100 just one time. That's not as good. Um, I'd rather have the $10 a month than $100. And the reason, reason being isn't that just because $10 over time adds up to a lot more than 100 that's not the reason. The reason is it's a predictable stream of income. When you're running an organization, when you're trying to file these lawsuits and plan how many can we really take on, uh, how much are the legal fees, and how much can we really legitimately support, I can't run a budget of an organization without a predictable, guaranteed, or reliable, I mean, it's not going to be exact to the penny, but a general right. idea of what's coming in every month. If you don't have right. an idea, what's if one month it could be you know $1,000, next month it could be 10000 uh, that's very, very hard to budget for an organization. You're kind of flying by the seat of your pants at that point. Uh, that's no way to run a, run a business, a nonprofit, anything. Um, you, you really need to have a predictable stream of income. So honestly, even I'd rather have $10 a month than even someone writing a check for $1,000. Uh, because if I have thousands of people donating $10 a month, um, that's going to be a committed, guaranteed, or close to guaranteed, uh, ball, I'll have a ballpark idea anyway, of how much is coming in every month. And if it's thousands of people donating 10, that's gonna be a lot of money. That's gonna be a lot of money for to support the organization to hire more staff uh, to, to find more cases and help people with their exemptions, help people with their lawsuits, help people with other rights, like I mentioned, Second Amendment, other types of First Amendment cases. Um, all of the other great work that we want to do is unfortunately, very, very costly. The stuff we're doing um, is not is not free, you know. It's it's right. not it, it's not something we can sustain without funding. This is organization will not exist uh, very much longer if there's not major funding coming in. So um, that's what I would ask all of your listeners to do. I would ask, please, 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 commit to ten and share it with everybody you know. Ten people, twenty people, thirty people, if you like, and you can give it more than ten too. But we just we thought that was a reasonable ask is ten dollars. We're not going to come out and say commit to a hundred because that's not a lot of people just don't have the means, especially in these these days. Uh, and but we think most people. I mean, what is ten dollars? That's not that's that's almost almost what you pay for your latte at Starbucks. You know what I mean? Not that you you go to Starbucks, man. I'm just no, saying. I don't. Some, some, <laughs> I a don't lot like of people, coffee. A, a, I don't. I don't. Hey, you and I knew. I knew we were simpatico. Oh, I don't. I don't bad. drink. I don't drink coffee either. Mm -mm. Um, nope. But I, I don't. I don't. I don't really need that much energy. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I've got plenty of it. But but anyway. Um, you know what I'm saying. This is going to take support to, to keep this machine running and to make it a machine because look who we're up against. We're up right. against some of the richest people in the world Soros, that are behind this. Gates. Billionaires. Yeah. We're up against the pharmaceutical industry. We're up against governments who are doing this, who are pushing this on us. We're up against some of the largest employers. We're up against um, big tech who's censoring us. 
right. and, and, and we may have legal a- action taken against some of them too. So, I mean, and that is something we've explored. So we, we are up against some of the biggest giants in the world, the, the biggest giants in the world. There's no way we're going to have a fighting chance without funding. I mean, if, if you think that we're going to scrape together a few pennies and be able to take on all of the largest organizations in the world, I mean, it's impossible. Even if we get millions, it's going to be, right. it's going to be a, a challenging task. But it'll be, we'll have a much better fighting chance with millions than we will with just a few hundred or a few thousand. Um, right. Because then we can hire the best. Uh, we can actually have a staff of our own attorneys even someday. Who knows? Uh, we can hire a, a larger staff. We can have a network of people doing this all over the country. And, um, you know, to get to that point, though, people are just going to have to say, you know, they're going to have to step up. We have, every time I do an interview like this, I get flooded with emails of people looking for oh, help. I'm sure. Looking yeah. for and, and listen, that's what we want. We want to get that. That's half of what uh, of the reason that I come on these shows. Half of it is we want people to know that we're here. We're here to help them. The other half, though, is we'd like people to please support the organization so that so that we can actually help them. So it's not just an empty promise. Right. Um, and, and so, unfortunately, what normally happens, Janet, is I'll do an interview like this and I'll get flooded with emails of everybody who wants me to help them but maybe only a handful of people who actually have their hand out with, with a donation and say, I want to support your organization. You might, in fact, I've gone on national podcasts that have actually millions of listeners um, or half a million listeners. Sometimes I've gone on some major, major podcasts um, throughout, you know, national, national podcasts and other interviews as well. Uh, we were even featured on uh, Fox News recently with one of the students we helped, uh, Kendall Cody, who promoted mm-hmm. the group, who told everybody about our right. group, as well as our attorney. She was on with Judge Janine. Got hundreds of emails. But you know what? I think probably from that interview, maybe only about 10, maybe less than 10 people donated. Right. Um, so that's the problem is everybody uh, is everybody needs help. They want help, but they don't want to help the cause or they don't maybe they just don't know that that we need help that badly maybe they see us on a program like fox and think though they've already made it they must they must have millions we don't uh we don't have much at all uh we're doing because court cases are expensive i mean they're extremely expensive to file any kind of litigation that the filings all the you know different things that you have to put into a case the legal work i mean you are, could be talking hundreds of, yeah, oh, hundreds, yeah. hundreds or thousands of hours of legal work and when attorneys charge which is the going rate which is a modest i'm not telling you what our attorneys charge but you know on average it's it's not uh, it's not unheard of for to 500 an hour all right, right. That, that's an average price, four to $500 an hour. That's not unheard of. That's not considered gouging. There's a lot of attorneys that charge double that, uh, especially right. the, especially these big you know, Manhattan attorneys. Exactly. They're charging yeah. a lot more than 500 an hour, okay? Double that. So when you have attorneys doing that, charging that, which is a reasonable rate, that's the going rate of the industry, okay? They're not gouging people. That's, I mean, in fact, our attorneys do it you know, very, very uh, affordably compared to many. But still, when you add up hundreds or thousands of hours of legal work, depending on how many years a case could go on before it gets to the Supreme Court, sometimes it does take years, very often does. When you add up the costs, I mean, you're talking about just gigantic legal bills for even just one lawsuit. Now, you're talking about people saying to me, Brian, I want you filing a lawsuit here and here and here all over the country. I want you filing against these people and these people and these people and these people. You want me to file dozens and dozens of lawsuits. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to have our attorneys do it. I'm happy to find attorneys for you to do it. We have a large attorney network now that's growing every day. I'm happy to do that for you. But 
if I don't have any funds to back it up, I'm not going to be able to do it. And, and then I have people right. say, well, I, I have people say, well, come on, come on. Why don't they just do it pro bono? If they really believe in this cause, they should do it all pro bono. Okay. Because they'd go broke. They'd go broke. They wouldn't be able to support the yeah. families. Law firm. Do you know how many, again, I have one law firm that we work with, do a lot of work with that has, I mean, I'm probably, I don't know exactly what the caseload is for the other cases they have, but I'm probably making up close to 50% of their business right now. Right. If they did that all pro bono or did they even most of it pro bono, they'd go under because they're spending right. so many hours on the cases that I've given them. So, so many, so much of their work day, days and days and days every week they're spending on our cases or every month, you know, there's, there's probably weeks out of a month they're spending on our cases. If they did that all for free, I mean, how are they going to keep the lights on, let alone pay salaries? Right. Um, you, you, you know, so obviously they have to make something. I mean, even if they cut their, their rate down to 200 an hour, they still, uh, it, it still would be, you know, many, 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 many thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars when you add it all up over the course of the time to go through all the appeals and everything else. So right. unfortunately, it's not easy. Unfortunately, it does seem sometimes unfair because we're up against, again, entities that have unlimited resources it seems exactly. um i mean the government can just keep pl- printing more money they don't need it you know and they have they have these these lawyers on their payroll anyway so it's not like to defend a case they have to pay anyone anything extra they're already on their payroll so they just send their, their <laughs> that their, america is funding <laughs> yeah that, that the taxpayers are funding so they've just got it they've, they've got it made in that respect they don't have exactly to go and, they don't have to fundraise and beg for money they can demand it from people through taxes and take it and then if you don't pay it they can throw you in jail for it so, I mean, they, they force people to donate to them. <laughs> it's called taxation. Exactly. It's exactly. called ta- taxation. So, so w- we obviously would never do that, even if we had the power to. Um, but we are asking very kindly for people to voluntarily give money to support this. Um, and uh, unfortunately, that doesn't carry the same weight as, as the threat from the Treasury Department. Um, right. but, but, but listen, um, in all seriousness, people understand what's at stake here. I think your listeners are very intelligent I think they mm-hmm. understand we're on the precipice of a major, major tur- turning point in not only American oh, history, yeah. but in human history. Okay. Yeah. Um, and this is one of those times in history, if you're not going to stand up, then we're all going to fall down. Yeah. And see, they are my listeners. Um, God bless them all. I love them so much, but they know I am not a huge fan of jabs. Um, of any kind. I'm not a friend of the pharmaceutical industry. Um, most of my work is about that and against those kind of things. And I have been silenced a lot. So mm-hmm. hopefully they don't take you down because of me. But yeah, um, I've been oh, they've already, they've already multiple me. times from multiple places. And I just won't stop. There is no way they will ever get me to stop challenge to my listeners. Now, here's a question for you, Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can't see donating a certain amount per month just because times are uncertain, but if they have some extra money right now and they they could make a one-time donation, can they still do that? Oh, absolutely. We're not going to tell people we won't take a one-time donation. It's just that, um, you know, the big picture in the big picture, that's not going to sustain us. Right, it does. Right, and it doesn't. It doesn't help you as far as a revenue stream monthly. But if somebody has something extra to give right now, I strongly suggest that people do 
If you can commit to the $10 a month, great. If you can't, but you can, you know, do a one-time donation, I still would like you to do that because they do really good work. And I know about the work they've done and who they have worked with in the past, which we have discussed on multiple different occasions. So I just want to say, tell everybody again where they can find you, uh, both of the websites, whatever they need to do, where they can find you on social media and, and everything else. Well, um, again, it's wethepatriotsusa.org is our website. And you'll find all the information about our organization, what we've been doing, what we've been up to, as well as the, um, of course, the um, Commit to 10 campaign that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Then you can find us. Uh, unfortunately, we are <laughs> fortunately or unfortunately, we are, we are still on the big big tech platforms. Although we were taken down once from Facebook, and we're able to get mm-hmm. back up and running. But we are on Facebook, We the Patriots USA. We are on Twitter at We the Patriots US. There's no A because the, the A was not available at the time we created that account. But it's at We the Patriots US, and then on Telegram as well. So t.me forward slash We the Patriots USA. It'll come right up. That's our news channel, news and updates. Um, that is uh, managed by my amazing business partner, once again, Dawn, who is just uh, uh, just amazing at what she can find, just incredible, the amount of content that she finds every day from all over, all different news. She follows pretty much every channel with health freedom, medical freedom, with uh, just everything that's going on with regard to food safety uh, right. in this country, food shortages, the impending... Yep impending uh, environmental problems and the things going on with, you know, U.S. government, with China, with everything else, politics. I mean, she covers it all um, and she calls through it and finds the best pieces every day and puts it in there. So it's a good source to sort of condense everything. If you mm-hmm. want to follow just one channel to get all the news from several different sites all over the place, rather than following all these channels yourself and all these sites, um, it's a great place where she puts it all together. She's just amazing at it. Um, and we would like everybody to join that channel because um, we also want to have a means of staying in touch. I mean, there's two ways you can stay in touch and you should do both of them, please, is sign up for our email list on our website, wethepatriotsusa.org, but then also join the Telegram channel. Because if our all of our big tech censorship platforms go down, uh, we are also on, in, on Instagram and TikTok too, but I don't know how to use those things <laughs> <laughs> we have someone that manages oh, them. We're related. <laughs> yeah, we have somebody who manages those who's who's uh, more adept at that kind of stuff from a different generation. But you know me, um, I I can't really figure it out. But anyway, yeah, we're on, we're on there as we the Patriots USA too. Uh, you know, as well I should say. Um, but you can look us up there. But we, our Telegram channel really, I want to encourage people to join that because. We need as many members as possible when, when we get shut down in other places that we can still communicate with you. We can put up broadcast. This is what's going on. This is what's going on with this case. This is what we need you guys to do. We need to you know mobilize behind this effort uh, for this particular lawsuit or something. Or you know uh, if there's going to be an event we're hosting. You know We do have events sometimes, uh, educational events. We have things online, broadcasts. We do a lot of interviews. We, we have coming up. In September, our second annual Vaccine Safety Awareness Marathon. It's a 24-hour marathon hosted mostly by yours truly. Okay, believe it or not, I go for 24 hours Jerry Lewis style. I usually do it on Labor Day weekend. This year, I couldn't because of a conflict in my schedule, but it's September 18th and 19th. And I am going for 24 hours straight. And uh, we have some of the largest names, the biggest names in medical freedom. This year, we're going to have Dr. Simone Gold, a good friend of mine. 
on there. We're going to have... She's uh, amazing. She's amazing. We're going to have uh, Mary Holland from Children's Health Defense. We're going to have Polly Tommy, producer of the Vaxxed films. Uh, we're going to have um, incredible lineup, Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, who's a good friend of mine as well. Uh, Dr. Chris Shaw from the University of British Columbia, who comes on every year. Um, and, and we have some podcasters on there. You mentioned, we were talking before the, the interview, the legit bat podcast crew is going to be on there. Shout out uh, to uh, my peeps. Sh- shout out to your peeps. We have just an incredible, incredible lineup this year. We're very, very proud of it. Um, I will be releasing that lineup and we'll be releasing commercials very soon for that. So f- again, follow us. You'll see it in our, in your email. If you're on our email list, uh, you'll see it on our website. You'll see it. Um, on our social media pages, but look out for that. That'll be coming out sometime in August. We'll be promoting that marathon. That's one of the biggest events. That is the biggest event we do. It's a virtual event, but it's all over the world. We have activists, lawyers, scientists, doctors, Dr. Jamian's coming on. And we just have one after the other after the other of star-studded lineup um, that's going to be giving incredible interviews, either a half an hour or an hour-long interview, depending on what their schedule allows. And we just go straight. We just go straight for 24 hours. And I love doing it. It's the, I came up with this last year. I did the first ever 24 hour marathon, never been done before, um, in, in this medical freedom movement. And now I'm doing the second one. Uh, so that's, that's another one of my babies. <laughs> I'm very, very proud of it. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Please tell your listeners about it. Please promote it. Um, when I have the, um, commercial, when I have the flyer, I'll definitely send it your way. I'll send it to a Everybody I can remember, if for some reason I forget to send it to you, Janet, please go on the website and pull it down or send me an email. Remind me to send it to you because I have so many people on my list. Yeah, please. No, feel free to poke because I have way too many people. uh, Not too many people. I'm great that I have – I'm glad that I have all these people, but I have way uh, too many to remember is what I mean um, on my email list. And it's just uh, sometimes I do forget one or two people or three um, and I feel bad about that, but it's just because I'm trying to remember everybody that I wanted to send this to. So I just do it cause I'm senile, but that's beside the point. <laughs> well, I'll take that excuse too. Hey, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not too far away. So, uh, and anyway, I, I, I just want to, uh, thank you again for having me on. Um, unfortunately I, I do have to run, but I, I, I really want to, uh, thank you. I want to thank your listeners for taking the time to listen to me. Uh, talk about our organization, the the work that we're doing. We're excited about the work we're doing. We just need your support. Um, we know we'll get there. With God's help, we'll get there. Uh, but it's going to have to be sooner rather than later because if we wait too much longer, um, we don't have years. We don't have decades. This isn't like the past and other civil rights movements where you could do things right. over the course of decades and build a funding base and build an organization like a nonprofit over decades. We don't have decades. There's not going to be a country left in years right. from now. I mean, we, I wait, we, we wait years. There's not going to be a country left. There's not going to be anything to take back to fight for it. So um, we, we don't have the luxury of time. That's the difference in this fight. We do not have the luxury of time. Um, and, and that's the hardest thing because everybody who's I'm talking to from other nonprofits like, well, be patient, Brian. You know, this takes, you know, years. You got to build relationships and get that. No. People, we don't have years. We do not we're have gonna, years. <laughs> we're going to partner together and we're going to get you the funding that you need. So um, all of my people in the medical community and the podcast community and the listening community that support us all 100% and what we're doing, um, our voices are for you. We're fighting for you. And this is another way 
to help protect your rights. So I ask that you please consider donating. If you have it, please do. Um, I would like to do more shows with you in the future. And I'm very stoked that you are on here with me today because, of course, this is right up my alley. So anyway. Absolutely. uh, I I loved it. This was great. And I'd I'd be very happy to come on again uh, anytime. Just name the time. We'll, we'll, We'll set it up. And, um, you know, watch out for that vaccine safety marathon and absolutely um, definitely spread the word to your listeners. And uh, again, I hope I talk to you again real soon. All right. Have a good day, everybody. And we'll see you next time.